Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And this weekend, the Cubs have a surprisingly important series against Miami. Yes, I, 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 I said that and I meant that. The Cubs have a surprisingly important series this weekend against Miami. And when I talk about an important series, I'm looking at the bottom feeder standings. The bottom feeder standings are the teams that are not going to make the playoffs, are not going to be contending for the playoffs. Before long, the Tigers are probably going to drop off of the bottom feeder standings because their 4-8-7 winning percentage just embarrasses everyone else and makes... All the other teams look even that more mediocre. Um, the Tigers are at 487. The Cubs are next at 10th at .444. That's four wins out of every nine games. And it's not getting better. So, the Cubs at .444 play the Marlins, who are at .417. For three games in Miami this weekend. After that, the Cubs get the Reds for three. That could get ugly. I want to talk a bit about the bottom feeder standings and how I'm specifically looking at this season. It's a mindset I'm completely good with. A lot of people can't look at sports that way, don't want to look at sports that way, won't look at sports that way. But I'm completely good with it. The Cubs right now are a bad team. I, I'm just saying it. It's, it's not breaking news. You've probably watched or listened to a game recently. The Cubs are not competitive with the elite teams in the league. They're not. Again, this is not breaking news, or at least it shouldn't be. You should all already be aware of this. So, as I watch Cubs games, I'm not saying, first off, most of the time, if the Chicago Cubs and one of the minor league affiliates are playing at the same time, I'm probably going to be listening to the minor league affiliates. I'm probably going to be listening to the minor league affiliates because I'm going to learn more there. If I'm watching a Cubs game, if I'm listening to a Cubs game, what I'm listening for, what I'm watching for, is the um, fringe players. For instance, right now, Rafael Ortega has pretty much answered most of the questions. Patrick Wisdom has answered most of the questions. Both of them, for me, this offseason, they deserve a 40-man roster spot. Patrick Wisdom, Rafael Ortega, both deserve a 40-man roster spot. That was not always the case. Right now they do, especially since they will be making league minimum next year, or just about. That helps. It makes it a whole lot easier. If Rafael Ortega were, you can either keep him 
and pay him $17.5 million a year or non-tender him, it would be a different question. But it's league minimum. It's league minimum. Ortega, Wisdom, those are two of the easiest options on the Cubs roster. I'm not horribly fretting over this game or that game. Not horribly fretting over this game or that game. I'm checking to see, does this specific person or that specific person, should they have a 40-man roster spot this offseason? Cubs are going to have some players that, from the pipeline, are arguably going to earn a 40-man roster spot. Ethan Roberts has done well in the Cubs pipeline will be Rule 5 eligible this offseason. Currently, he is in Iowa. Ethan Roberts is atop my list of relief pitchers who possibly, arguably, should be in Wrigley Field at some point if it's determined that someone else just isn't going to make it. Just isn't going to make it. The fringe players are the ones I'm interested in. I've talked about Jake Jewell a number of times. If the Cubs decide they want to keep Jake Jewell into 2022, he will be very inexpensive. And under team control. The team can decide, yes, we wish to keep Jake Jewell around for 2022. Or they can decide, yeah, no thanks. Either's fine. Either's possible. Either is legitimate. Either could still happen. I want Jake Jewell to get looks. Get Jake Jewell looks until it's patently obvious that he doesn't deserve them. If it gets to the point where, no, 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 not just, oh man, he had one bad outing. You know who also really had a bad outing? Kyle Hendricks had a bad outing. Kyle Hendricks pitched poorly against the Brewers. He got pounded two different innings. If he was a guy who didn't have a history of being successful, that outing would be mocked. But we know Kyle Hendricks is a good pitcher. Just had a bad day. With the rest of the season, for the rest of the season, a decent chunk of the entire rest of the season is, does this guy belong? Janeshwi Fargus, does he get a 40-man roster spot in the offseason. I don't know. You might be convinced that you know. You might be smart enough to know. Or you might be acting like you know. I don't know how good he is. He, he he's, he's a complete question mark. I would be 0% surprised if Jen Ashley Fargus keeps a 40-man roster spot over the offseason, I'd be 0% surprised if he doesn't. I would be completely unsurprised. Why? Because I don't have enough information yet. Frank Schwindel, same thing. Whole bunch of the relievers, same thing. Some of the uh Michael Rucker, does he deserve a 40-man roster spot over the offseason? Figure it out. Get him out there. Let him pitch. Figure out a way to figure out if he's going to be worth keeping or not. To me, that's the important thing. The guys that are 50-50s that you can go either way with, 
Figure out, does this guy belong? Get Frank Schwindel enough opportunities so you can clearly say, yes, Frank Schwindel deserves a 40-man roster spot, or no, Frank Schwindel does not deserve a roster spot. And my reasoning for thinking that is, henceforth and forevermore. Have reasons. The Cubs have the rest of the season to decide, do these guys belong? Abrazzle, get him hunt. Three, four more starts, hook him. Put him on the 60-day injured list, try somebody else. Plug in Corey Abbott. Is Corey Abbott worth a 40-man roster spot next season? I don't know. Do you know? If you know now, <coughs> tell me what your rationale is for knowing <coughs> if Corey Abbott deserves a 40-man roster spot next year. I don't know how you know that. Now, if you give him five starts, if the Cubs give Corey Abbott five starts between now until the end of the season, and in those five starts, he has an ERA of, oh, let's say, 11, you don't have to give him a 40-man roster spot. If, oh, let's see, Adam Morgan. If he's nails down the stretch, you might want to keep him around. He's horrible. Nah. All these players, give them looks. Let them have a chance. Assess them. Try to learn from each outing. Okay, this guy's had three good outings and two horrible outings. Okay, well, you know, you assess things. Figure out how is it you determine. The Marlins series upcoming. Friday night, Adver Elzele pitches. In my view, I'm never going to be able to say I want Adber Elzele to get crushed. I'm not going to be able to say that. I want Adber Elzele to pitch well. One of the really interesting situations in the Brewers series, game one, Cubs probably didn't belong in the game, but they had closed to within, what was it, four to two? Bases loaded, two outs, four to two, and Andrew Dykeman at the plate. I just had to laugh. I just had. I wanted Dykeman to get a hit. I wanted. I wanted him to find a gap, get a game-winning double, so that I'd have to write down on my big board thingy here that the Cubs won. It's not so much Cubs winning or Cubs losing. It's not for me. That is not it. Now it's about assessing. It's about assessing. Is Andrew Dykeman? Going to be worse. Well, he's going to have a forty-man roster. He's going to have forty-man roster spot. He's not going to play his way out of a job, because, well, he has enough history that people aren't going to dismiss a uh, bad August September and say, "Let's get rid of this guy." He has enough of a history. Whereas Janeshwi Fargus, whereas Frank Schwindel, 
Whereas Ryan Meisinger, Ryan Meisinger had pitched very well in Iowa. He's a one-inning guy. Ryan Meisinger is a one-inning guy. He came in in relief of Hen Kyle Hendricks, finished off that inning, did fine, came out for the his second inning, um, did less well. But he's a one-inning guy. The idea with Ryan Meisinger, bring him in, have him pitch an inning, get him the heck out. You might want to have him try to get a fourth out, maybe, 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 maybe. But his his gig is go in, pitch an inning, and leave. That's that's what his job is. And if the Cubs are asking him to more do more than he is normally capable of, that's really not <laughs> an appropriate way of assessing a player's abilities. You should be basing him on what is it that he would ideally be being expected to do. How did he do with that? He came in, Hendricks struggled, my singer got out of it, kinda. Players like Ryan Meisinger. Players like um Manuel Rodriguez. Get him in, use him, have him pitch an inning, get him the heck out. It would be really nice if Adbrails like can go five or six innings on Friday night. First off, it'd give us, us as Cubs fans, whether we're watching or listening or not, the opportunity to, to assess, is Al Zalay more of a four? Is he more of a two? Is he more of a three? What is it? Maybe he's just a five. He's still going to be around. He's still going to be in the rotation next year. That That's really not even a question if he's healthy. What much of the rest of the season is about is assessing. Someone was jumping up and down on my Twitter timeline about Jed Hoyer has no plan. He has no plan. He should resign or be fired or something to that extent. He's been a total failure. This series against the Brewers is a complete embarrassment. Series against the Brewers is an embarrassment. Yeah, I. That's really hard to argue. You know, when you're getting um, pole axed in successive days. Well, I don't know, seventeen to four on Thursday, and the day before it wasn't. It was what, ten to nothing. So yeah, th those are two kind of significant losses right in a row at home. Cubs go with a seven-game homestand without a win for the first time since the 30s, the 40s? It wasn't good, but that was the plan. That was completely, entirely the plan. The plan was, as best as I can understand it, 2021, put together a team that is good enough to compete and good enough to keep the... NL Central teams on their toes and be aware, hey, the Cubs could be dangerous if everything lines up. For a while it did. Through mid to late June, it was fine. The Cubs were in first place. Then it happened. They had the losing streak. The losing streak kept going. And Jed Hoyer turned to part B of his plan. If 2021 started to go south, which it did, if it started to go sour like milk, which it did. Trade them. Trade everybody. 
the plan was 2021 is not all that important. Yes, I said the words. 2021 is not that important. If you're a season ticket holder, the money that you spent on August and September tickets, well, so sorry. Uh, it really does suck. If you're financially invested in this Major League Baseball team in August and September, it's going to be rugged. It's going to be rugged because there was no commitment to 2021. And I don't know if there's going to be a commitment to 2022. I don't know that. I don't know what Jed's number from Tom Ricketts will be. have no idea. But there was a plan. There was definitely a plan. Trade everything off entirely. Has anyone done what the Cubs have done? Traded almost everyone that's any good. Then about a week, week or 10 days later, they put Wilson Contreras on the 10-day injured list. Now, was Wilson Contreras injured? Probably. Was it necessary for him to go on the 10-day injured list? Maybe, maybe not. He was willing to. Uh, you know, he, he didn't fight it. I haven't heard anything about Contreras angry at the Cubs because he was forced to sit 10. I don't know anything. But the Cubs plan for 2021. I'm looking at the board. I don't think the Cubs have any hesitance at all to lose a whole chunk of games this August and September. Starting today to the end of the season, what do you think the Cubs' winning percentage will be? I don't, I, I'm thinking, what, 27 28%? Maybe 31 32 From here to the end of the season, as you're looking at the teams up near the top of the um, bottom feeder standings, if the Nationals continue to play... 44% baseball, 43% baseball. The Cubs are going to blow by them in the bottom feeder standings. The Cubs are a bad team. That is the intention. And I really don't think... The Cubs' bullpen now is a whole bunch of guys who are trying to justify a 40-man roster spot. No, 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 no. Not... Um, improve their arbitration numbers or play for a mid to upper level free agent bullpen spot or no, it's not that Ryan Meisinger. I want a 40 man roster spot. Adam Morgan. I want a 40 man roster spot. That's what the Cubs bullpen is. Rowan Wick will be around next year. Manny Rodriguez will be around next year. Cody Hoyer will be around next year. But a whole bunch of the guys in the Cubs bullpen. And possibly very soon a couple of guys in the Cubs rotation. I want a 40-man roster spot next year. Guys in the Cubs lineup. I want a 40-man roster spot next year. Patrick Wisdom, Rafael Ortega. They passed that. They, they will have a 40-man roster spot next year. For the rest, for much of the rest of the roster, they want a 40-man roster spot next year. The Cubs have absolutely pulled the plug on 
2021 being a competitive season. The league does not punish teams for having bad squads. They reward, Major League Baseball rewards teams for having bad squads. Major League Baseball rewards teams for having bad squads. Now, if you're out at college and you realize, hey, this college, if I do really, really well in my classes, that will benefit me. I will be rewarded well on into the future. That reward might spur you on to doing things. The Cubs are being rewarded for being terrible. They're being rewarded for being terrible. Not really a very good business model, I don't think, but it's what happens. It's what's happening in Major League Baseball now. Teams are being rewarded for being terrible. And as the Cubs looked at the landscape, looked at the landscape in Major League Baseball, there were a whole, there was what? 14, 15 teams that think they belong in the playoffs? Something like that. Seven or eight, both leagues, something like that. Then you have the Cardinals who seem pot committed to be happy with being a team with a .500 winning percentage. That seems to be their goal. Maybe 510. But they, they didn't try to improve. They didn't try to trade prospects to upgrade to become a postseason team. No, they didn't want to do that. They didn't make those sorts of moves. They tried to stay right. Their goal looked to be, we're going to trade a guy who may or may not belong on the 40-man roster for John Lester. That is our upgrade. We're going to send out John Lester, and now we're going to be a 500 team. That looks to be their goal. There's no reward in baseball, in Major League Baseball, for being a 500 team. There is not. If you're a bad team in Major League Baseball, you draft earlier, and you get to spend more money on uh, draft signing bonuses. Those are two rewards. You draft earlier, you get to spend more money. And what the Cubs also had, they had the third added reward by trading everybody that made any sense to trade. They got a whole bunch of prospects. Those prospects are doing well in the minor league system right now. Right now. Don't have to wait for June or July or a lockout or anything. or they, Their guys are doing well now. Guys are doing well now. And a bunch of them will be doing well next year if they're healthy because a lot of them aren't going to be Rule 5 eligible. So there's a reward for being bad. Major League Baseball provides teams a reward for being bad. And the Cubs, looking at the landscape, decided, you know what? There really aren't a whole lot of bad teams this year. There really aren't a whole... The Royals, the Twins, they're... Okay. Marlins, really the 40% mark. If you're winning 40% of your games, if you're winning over 40% of your game, you're not a horrible team. The Pirates, the Rangers, the Orioles, and the Diamondbacks. They're all pretty bad. The Diamondbacks are really bad. 
And the Cubs, looking at the landscape in late July, decided, you know what? Since the league rewards teams for being bad, let's take advantage. Let's take advantage, trade the players that we have, become worse, and take full advantage. That's what they're doing. This is a very big series against the Marlins. If the Cubs win two of three, it becomes really difficult for them to get to the fifth or sixth uh, to, to the fifth spot because the the Marlins are a team the Cubs would almost certainly have to pass to get the fifth spot. But let's imagine, let's imagine the Marlins win two of the three games against the Cubs. Now, I, I, I'm not doing the math yet. I don't do the math. But usually, if the Cubs lose a game, they drop four percent, uh, four per thousandths points. And if they win a game, they climb five. If the Marlins win a game, they climb five. If they drop a game, they fall four. So let's imagine... The Marlins win two of three against the Cubs. They'll probably be four twenty-seven, four twenty-seven, four twenty-three. They'd be up to four twenty-three, and the Cubs would be down the four thirties. Four twenty-three and. 430s. That's really not much of a gap, really, is it? It's really not much of a gap. Then the Cubs will be going in to play Cincinnati for three games. Are they going to beat Cincinnati? The Cubs have a six-game series, a six-game road trip. If the Cubs win two games or less on this road trip, might happen, might not happen. They're going to be very close, very close, very close to at least the sixth spot. There's a whole bunch of teams clustered up right, be right beneath the Cubs. The Cubs are at 4-4-4. Rockies are at 4-4-3. The Twins and the Nationals are at 4-3-5. The Royals are at 4-3-4. That is a tightly compacted bunch of five teams. Very tightly compacted. Especially with the mind that there's, what, six, seven weeks left to go in the season? The Marlins are a bit below at 417, and then there's a big drop-off, big drop-off to the Pirates at 357. If the Cubs are as bad of a team as they look like they've been recently, they don't look like they're going to hit a lot. And it looks like once they go to their bullpen, they only have two or three live arms. They're going to constantly keep up with particularly good major league offenses. As I watch the rest of the Cubs series season, such to the extent that I will, wins and losses, incidental. Incidental. 
I'm much more interested in does this guy deserve a 40-man roster spot? Why or why not? Then compare those players to does Rafael Ortega deserve a 40-man roster spot? Does Jared Young deserve a 40-man roster spot? Does Dakota Chalmers or Dakota Mekas deserve a 40-man roster spot? Those are specific, tangible, assessable questions. Does this player deserve a roster spot? Should this guy be on the 40-man roster spot, roster next year? And with a number of the players, like Jake Jewell, like Ryan Meisinger, there's the entire rest of the season to assess it. It's not so much, oh man, this guy's terrible. He gave up a double to Christian Yelich or whatever. Or what he gave up a really long homer to whatever. Does this guy deserve a 40 man roster spot in the offseason? And if you say no, he does not, and eventually he ends up being really good, and your answer should have been, well, yeah, he probably should have had one, then that makes you wrong. The goal is not to be popular. The goal is to be right long-term. The goal is to be able to see around those corners. Does Ryan Meisinger belong? I don't know. One outing when he's being asked to pitch more than he ought to be being asked to pitch. That's not his gig. Plus, Meisinger, he's not necessarily the kind of guy who is created to come in with runners on score, runners in scoring position. For instance, yet certain, certain pitchers, uh, quite a few pitchers, um, are best served, bring him in at the start of the inning. Pinch hit for the pitcher or whatever. Uh, bring him in. You got the sixth. He gets the sixth inning. Nobody's on base. No, no, you don't have the defense in a funny position. You don't have the infield in. You don't have a, well, man, he had a little blooper that the shortstop should have got, but it fell because the infield was all in. Give him a clean inning. Give him a clean inning. How's he look? Is he generally better than major league hitters? Or are major league hitters generally better than him? When you have a Frank Schwindel, does he look like he belongs at the major league level? Does he look like he deserves a 40-man roster spot? I was looking a couple days ago. Frank Schwindel still has three, three option seasons left. That would include this year being um, the third. But if the Cubs decide, yeah, Frank Schwindel has shown enough. He deserves a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. The Cubs can freely send him down in 2022. And they can freely send him down in 2023. Or some combination, you know, maybe, maybe they keep him in 2023 and then send him to, down in 2024. Same, same basic premise. He's got his full, full uh, complement of option seasons. If he is worth keeping, he's worth keeping. And those are the decisions to make for the rest of the year. It's an entirely different mindset than the Cubs' mindset of 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, where games 
and their results were really important. Now, it's something entirely different. It's entirely different. It's about, like, assessing talent is important. Developing talent is important. That's exactly where the Cubs are. They have a pitcher in their bullpen right now. If they have a pitcher like this that I'm about ready to describe, you know, he's he's not major league good now. But if you give him enough opportunities, he might be major league good by next year. That's the kind of guy you want to have around now. For years, the Cincinnati Reds, they had a little trough. They, had, they were really good right before the Cubs started to get good. What, 2011, 2012, 20, uh, 2011, 2012, 2013, the Reds were good. In 2014, they started to slack off, something like that. But they had that trough in, what, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, where they were really bad. Remember that? I I might have the years wrong. I'm not going to go double check and all that, but... They had that trough where they were really bad. And what they did a lot of that time was they had a parade of relief pitchers. They'd bring him in, try him out, look at him five or six times. Is this going to be one of those guys we're going to keep around? Is this going to be one of those guys that might be useful for us the next time that we're good? And if they'd look at him for five or six times and say, no, he's not, he's not going to, then they'd, Designate him for assignment and bring in somebody else. Next guy, try him out. Is he n- n- no, he try the next guy. Actually, this guy might be. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep using him. And for a while, they managed to put together a really nice bullpen for a while. And that really b- good bullpen for a while, which really made it difficult for the Cubs in what? 2019 and 2020, the Reds were really difficult for the Cubs to play because the Reds had a really good bullpen. They had taken time in their down period to assess the guys that were on their squad. Is this guy worth keeping? Is that guy over there worth keeping? This guy we're bringing in as a desig- uh, off the DFA wire. Guy we just claimed. Claimed on waivers. We're going to give him five or six looks. Is he? This guy's actually good. This guy might actually stick around. We're, we're gonna we're gonna use this guy more. When a team has a down period, like the Cubs have now, if the team has a down period, like the Cubs have now, use that opportunity to assess the talent you have. And right now, the Cubs have a whole bunch of players to assess the talent. Whole bunch of players. Play Ortega most of the time. Play Wisdom most of the time. Well, they're not going to play Contreras for the next 10 days. Wins and losses, incidental. Wins and losses now are incidental. And if you're not of, I'll use the term, a minor league mindset, where assessing the talent is important. 
How long should Justin Steele be out there? I don't know the answer to that. Some people will say, pitch him 100. He has to be able to work out of situations. Da, da, da. Well, that's that's a view. Um, I'd much rather keep Justin Steele healthy. And if he's not working through everything right now, that's okay. You don't have to uh, be asked to go well into the heart of the order the third time around in your second or third or fourth major league start. You know, it's, it's not essential. You don't have to figure out all the answers, all the questions right away. I'd like him to be healthy. Um, but yeah, it's how long should this guy go? How long should that guy go? Kyle Hendricks, we know who he is, usually. Uh, it'd be really nice if he could go six or seven innings once in a while and save the bullpen a little bit. But the bullpen, it's going to send out Manuel Rodriguez. Because I can tell you what Manny Rodriguez is right now. He has the velocity. It's a question of locating it. So he is to me now. So basically, if it was a situation where the game was on the line and you, your, uh, your family's health and welfare were totally dependent on getting through the inning without a long home run, Manny Rodriguez might not be the person that you want in the game. But since, uh, let's see, Cubs are 4-4-4 four, four, four is their winning percentage. Really doesn't matter if they win a the game or not. Really it doesn't. You know, I, I'm not going to uh, go out and commit a crime if the Cubs lose. I'm not going to go out and spend uh, spend $80,000 on a luxury automobile if the Cubs win. I it's It's a ball game. It's assessing talent. Send out a lineup that makes sense. Alcantara, Romine, other Romine. It's really not all that important right now. It really isn't. Watch the games, enjoy the games, and if watching the Chicago Cubs is doing nothing for you, listen to a minor league game. Go out and mow the lawn. Do some painting. Go be babysit for some neighbor's kids or something. Do it. Do whatever's going to get you through. But don't expect Cubs games to be life or death for the next couple of months. Twenty twenty two. We'll see. But there's a legitimate chance that twenty twenty two will look a bit like twenty twenty one. Why? Because until. Major League Baseball teams aren't rewarded for being bad. Being bad is being better than mediocre. Watch the games. Listen to the games. Enjoy them. If they're not entertaining for you, don't watch them. Don't listen. I'm enjoying minor league games. Had my recap... The games on Thursday, with the exception of the no-hitter, they were kind of a little bit um, lethargic, but that's fine. Uh, None of the major prospects got injured. It was fine. It was fine. Dakota Chalmers had a decent outing, and at some point he's going to be a question. Does he get a 40-man roster spot in the offseason? I don't know. That's a podcast all into its own.
This is a big series for the Cubs against the Marlins. Because anything involving the dive for five is actually kind of important. If the Cubs lose two of three, they are right in line for the fifth spot. Right in line. And you can get upset at the mindset for even considering that. But the reality, the reality is the Cubs are not a good team this year. For the rest of the year, they won't be. By design, that was the plan. So I might as well get used to assessing the talent. Either at the major league level or the minor league level because that's what the rest of the 2021 Cubs season is about. Assessing talent against the other teams. Is this guy good? Is this guy worth keeping around? Those are the questions that matter for 2021. Not so much um, getting all emotional about records or history or anything. It is what it is. Assess the talent. You can still hate Tom Ricketts. You can still hate Jed Hoyer. You can still whatever, whatever, whatever. But for the rest of the season, it's assessing talent. That's what's important. The 50-50s get as many of them right as possible. As many of them right as possible. That's the important thing. The wins and losses. The Cubs end up being a 420 team for the season or a 397 team for the season or 382 for the... Who knows? And it's really not... It really shouldn't affect your life all that much. The Cubs' season is what it is. And... If we're being adults about it, we ought to be able to accept that once in a while, your team's not going to be very good. And this looks like one of those years. The Cubs-Marlins series this weekend is actually kind of important. 444 to 417 looks kind of like a wide margin. By the end of the weekend... They might be a bit close. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And feel free to pick a minor league Cubs game to listen to tonight.